Hello and welcome to another special episode of My Drunk Movie Theater. I'm Kyle Sutton. Uh, This is the third part in our Dune Book Club series. So this is another compilation episode. I I know we'll eventually get back to doing our our regularly scheduled programming here soon. Um, But I did promise to get these done for you guys. And so uh, this is part of keeping with that promise. Uh, so this episode compiles all of our segments covering uh, Dune chapters 23 through 37. Essentially, that's book two inside uh, the the book itself. Um, yeah, uh, so we 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 dropped. I I had to split book one into or book one into two parts because there was so much going on and there had been so much talk. This one, uh, I feel like the the segment of the book was about the same, but the conversations were a little bit shorter, uh, a little more concise, a little more focused, maybe. Um, you'll kind of see as you, as you get going through it. Um, but yeah, this whole episode's probably about an hour and a half long. If I'd done it, uh, if I, if I just combined the first two parts like that, um, the first go around, you probably would have been sitting on like a three hour episode. Uh, but this one, this one is a little shorter. Um, so yeah, it, uh, like I said, we, we've covered this book and so you get, still get to hear the evolution of how, how we responded to it, uh, going through, which is kind of cool. Um, if you're reading along, uh, just remember every, every segment of chapters, there are usually about two to three chapters, uh, per segment in this, uh, compilation. Um, so if you need to know, I try to announce them every every segment that was done. You just need to kind of pay attention, just keep track. Uh, I usually tell you at the very least how many chapters that we we read that that week when you get into each segment. So if you're reading along, again, that's chapters 23 through 37, all of book two. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get some, some housekeeping out of the way before I let you get on to the rest of the show. Uh, make sure you guys follow us at my drunk movie theater, or sorry, at drunk underscore theater at, uh, on Twitter. You can also email us at my drunk movie theater at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to hit up our, our shop, my drunk movie theater dot store. We have all of our merchandise there. Uh, you can, um, we've got t-shirts. Uh, if you buy anything from the, uh, buy popcorn peasants line, uh, 10% of those proceeds are going to go to the Will Rogers, uh, motion picture pioneers fund that helps theater employees like me and Trisha. Um, as you know, they, they bailed us out during, during the pandemic with, with making sure our bills got paid. They also do a lot of other things such as mental health work for, uh, theater employees amongst a whole slew of other stuff for, for those of us that work in this industry that we love so much. So, um, make sure you guys go check that out. Of course, help support us by, by purchasing merch as well. Um, and because I absolutely refuse to make you guys pay, uh, for shipping on anything in that store, uh, use promo code free ship. That, that promo code is good anytime. It does not expire free ship, all one word. Um, and that will get you free shipping on your entire order. So, um, yeah, so make sure you use that. Um, other than that, 
I think that's it. Uh, we're just now you got to get ready to go into the show. So uh, sit back, relax, uh, enjoy listening. If you've been reading along, fantastic. Uh, make sure you also uh, hit us up on on Twitter. Let us know what you've what you've thought of our our thoughts on Dune. Like I said, you can also email us about that as well. Um, but that's going to do it for me. Uh, and Trisha's not here. Um, hopefully, I think she's going to join us for the fourth one. Uh, the 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 fourth part, the final segment of this. Or at least I'm going to try and get her. Um, also, I think in this book or in this section, we mentioned doing a Dune movie night with you guys, to where we we stream it, and we all kind of watch it together and chit chat online. Um, we are going to probably announce that with the fourth part. So when we get to book three, that final section, that's when we should announce when we when we'll be able to do that. So uh, from all of us here at My Drunk Movie Theater, I'm Kyle Sutton and enjoy the show and be nice to your damn movie staff. Well, ready to talk about Dune? Yeah. You read three chapters last night? I did. Okay. So we got. I, I loved how you were like, we can't end on two. There's a cliffhanger, and the third one we read didn't answer that cliffhanger at all. I know, I know, <laughs> it's driving me nuts. But I couldn't, I couldn't just stop there. Like after I read it, I just went, well, fuck. I need to at least see what's going on in the other realm. And so, honestly, that third one didn't exactly wrap up nicely either. It really didn't. I almost went. So you almost made it. You basically just made it worse by being like three chapters. Yeah. So, well, here's the nice thing. So I did some looking. Basically, book two, this second section, is about 200 pages total. We've already put a good-sized dent into it. So we'll make it out pretty quick. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So chapters 23, 24, and 25. So 23, we, we open with kind of where we left off, it seemed. Um, basically, uh, Paul, yeah. it's a short chapter. Paul is sitting there just trying to figure out what's going to happen next. What are we going to do? What my what is my game plan? Yeah. Get out here. And uh, what's the first lines there? A Harkonnen will kill a Harkonnen? Something like that. Yeah. Um, and so basically that's what this, this whole chapter basically is. It's just kind of setting that up. And then... Uh, wait, is it that chapter or is it the 25th chapter where they're they're getting out of the tent? That's, that's that first one we read. Okay. So they get out of that tent, and when they get out of the tent, he and Lady Jessica realize that, oh shit, there are there are ornithopters all over that are just fucking raising... There's shit going down. Yeah, just them. raising everything, and they realize they are being hunted. Yeah. So that's 23. 24. Thufir <laughs> I finally figured out how to pronounce it right. I'm so proud. <laughs> so Thufir has been, is now with the Fremen. Uh... I think I'm pronouncing that right now. Sorry. We watched some videos last night where we got some some clarification on pronunciations, and so I'm trying to work them into the show, so bear with us, because I'm sure those of you that have read the book and have heard us pronounce it are sitting there going, God damn it! That's not how it's said! Sorry. Bear with us. We are trying. So, uh, Thufir is with the Fremen, and basically is being witness to what they do with their fallen fallen soldiers and how casual yes. they are about taking people Sucking out. Sucking them dry. Yes. Uh, well, he's also trying to basically create an alliance with them. Right. But is realizing that they're 
while they're speaking the same language, they're not really understanding each other. They're on a, they're on a totally different super books. well. And so he's kind of trying to figure that out. Yeah. So, um, so throughout chapter 24, he's trying to negotiate this while his men, the surviving uh, Atreides family, see there's another one, uh, Atreides uh, soldiers are trying to, or they're tired, they're wounded, they're trying to figure out what's going on, and they are just in awe that these Fremen took out a bunch of Sardaukar soldiers, which apparently is supposed to be like tough shit. And only lost two men. Yeah, and only lost two men after raiding shit. There is one point in this chapter where they they wind up capturing a thopter and then using it to suicide bomb a carrier vessel. Yes. It's insane. And then it ends on this cliffhanger where uh, the Thufir's aide gets gets a knife in the neck and then he blacks Mm -hmm. out. So we don't know. We don't know what happens. So apparently they get attacked. Chapter 25 uh, is all about Paul and Jessica, uh, I can't remember where they're at, but they wind up reunited briefly with Duncan Idaho. Yeah, they're they're kind of in the desert still trying to figure out what to do yeah. when Duncan Idaho appears. Yes. And with uh, Kynes? Yes. Dr. Kynes. Uh, Dr. Kynes, the planetologist, the Fremen planetologist, and they basically whisk them away to a Fremen underground facility. Right. To what they think is safety. Right, which winds up coming under attack and basically leaving us with with Paul, Paul Jessica. Paul tries his hand at diplomacy for the first time and manages to convince Dr. Kynes to basically team up. Yes. Which Kynes isn't having at first, but Yeah. He, he ends up winning him over. Yeah. Um so yeah, of course they think it's safe. Well then, all hell breaks loose, and that's kind of where the chapter ends. Duncan yeah, Idaho the, is the Harkonnens have infiltrated yeah. this facility, and Idaho seems to be on the verge of death. Yes. At least last, look good. Last we saw him, a door was shutting as he was battling with some other Harkonnen forces. Yeah. Uh, so and that's Doctor Kynes so. gets Paul and Jessica away in this hidden chamber maze. Yes. To a thopter. Tells right. them to take off and fly into the storm and basically just hide in the storm until they lose the Harkonnens. Right. So that's what what, what happens. So that's our three chapters. Um, Where we leave off. So we don't know what's going on with Pallad and Paul and Jessica are flying in a storm somewhere. Right. So uh, my initial thoughts as I'm reading this are, wow, these chapters are moving a lot faster than book one did. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a lot that just happens that keeps your interest and keeps you going. Uh, to the point that I'm sitting here trying to remember everything that happens. Not that they're very long chapters. It's just a lot. It moves fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been enjoying the, the Paul and Jessica dynamic and how that's completely mm-hmm. shifted since he's you know inhaled the spice and is able yeah, he's kind of had this mental awakening right which he's, is like he's said, realizing oh. that he's basically surpassed her at this point right and of course so so yeah so you have this uh this the sense of he is just completely distant from her now and cold towards her um because of where he's at mentally and what is going on with 
with the spice and his abilities. And Lady Jessica is obviously kind of reeling, you know, Leto's dead. <laughs> There's another one. Uh, so Leto's dead. Paul is, she still thinks he's the Kwisatz Haderach. Uh, mm-hmm. And and is now trying to reconcile with that. Yeah. Also having to reconcile with the fact that he now knows that they are related to the Harkonnens. Yeah. Uh, One thing I'm curious to find out is that, that it's not super clear at the moment is does Paul actually believe that he's the Kwisatz Haderach or Muad'Dib or is, his, is he just going, I can use this to my advantage? That's that's something because I... his 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 narration now when you're when you're in his brain is so cold and calculated that it, his emotions are so shut down at this moment that it's hard to tell if he truly believes it or if he's just going. I've reached another level. Everyone thinks I'm this. We're gonna go with this. Yeah, I feel like. Well, and that's the thing. I feel like in this instance, both things. Or if he's, or if he's just trying to ex- wrap his head around the idea of it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not dealing with the emotional impact. Right. Yeah. This, I think it, this prophesied one. Yeah. I, I think at this point, you could safely say that any one of those things could be true. And why, at this yeah. point, why not all three of them possibly be true? He may be wrapping his head around the idea, but coming to accept it and figuring out how he's going to use it to his advantage. Like, uh, you know. Uh, I just wonder if there will be a moment where his emotions finally return. Oh, I'm sure there will. And it's it's going to be at the worst possible moment. Uh, Well, we haven't met his love interest that that we know Mm -hmm. is in the movie. Um, So so we've got to get there at some point. Um, And I feel like that's coming pretty quick. One thing I found interesting is through all of this, at the beginning of each chapter, there's been excerpts from um, what appears to be some sort of book within the universe. It's written by... Princess Aurelian, something to that extent. Irulan, yeah. Irulan, something like that. We'll find um, that out later. And in one of the chapters we read, it talked about my father, the, um, I want to say emperor, but that doesn't seem like the right term. Is it emperor? I think she does say emperor. Yeah, this is my father, the emperor, and then I think it's at the last chapter we read. And then in that chapter, Paul brings up the emperor only has daughters, no sons. And and, and, uh, Dr. Kynes insinuates from that that he's trying to basically convince the emperor that all of the truth of what all has happened and basically try to set himself up with one of the daughters so he can become emperor. And I'm like, oh, 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 wait, wait, this is wait a minute yeah <laughs> this why this how we've been getting all this information and these little right pre-chapter stuff yeah i feel like those are becoming more and more relevant the deeper we get into the story yeah so which is kind of cool um yeah but uh yeah so about these pronunciations because i feel like we'd be remiss if we just mention it and just keep trying to go on without talking about it so like i said as you know we have struggled with trying to figure out exactly how to say some of these words in here i didn't realize exactly how how deep frank herbert kind of got into the language so to speak yeah. and how and, I, and I, you can recognize how much of it is is based in in arabic um, turkish yeah and but it's really impressive how he has incorporated that 
into the story without making it seem like any like any racial like stereotypes or anything like that it's just a fascination with language and i think it's pretty cool to see it translated book is about a desert planet and desert people so using you know arabic and turkish and you know kind of middle eastern based languages yeah it it fits it makes sense well and to combine that with elements of of like medieval um you know feudal systems and all Mm -hmm. that uh you know i feel like i feel like we're gonna get a bit of a crusades vibe somewhere in here somewhere soon like that's that's what it honestly feels like like um but yeah it was it was kind of fascinating to go through those videos last night and see um well, one to actually hear Frank Herbert's pronunciations, which are which are the ones that are canon, and I'll butcher them all day. But uh, they, they are very much kind of anglicized versions of yes. the the Arabic roots. Right. Um, but uh, as somebody pointed out, like like uh, as the the narrator of those videos points out in some of the words. Herbert gets pretty close into how it's supposed to be pronounced and, or like variations of those same words and what they actually like mean in, you know, our native, like I say, he uses them in proper context. Yes. A lot of times. Yes. Uh, So it's just really impressive. And I I think that's, that's a mark of a really good writer who Mm -hmm. can sit there and, you know, kind of morph one language into something different without bastardizing any of it. we last left off uh Thuthi Hrawat had gotten knocked the fuck out and like one of his one of his partners was dead uh so we don't know what happened to him uh and then Lady Jessica and Paul were out traveling the desert trying to figure out where the hell to go next um so this week we're on chapter they had met up with the Fremen yes and there had been a a raid on the the Fremen base that they were in, and so Duncan Idaho held them off while they took to an ornithopter yes. and had flown into a storm. Yes, so that's where we left off. Yep. So when we pick back up, we are now stuck with Baron Harkonnen, Joy, and introduced to a new character. Every time uh-huh. I realize it's a Harkonnen chapter, I'm just like, oh. Uh... I feel dirty. And, and there's more shit in there that makes you just feel gross after reading it's, that. It's chapter. worse. Yeah. Every time it's one of his chapters. It does, it, mm. Yeah. Uh, it, no, it's it's bad. Um, so this time, like I said, we are meeting uh, Rabin or Raven. I haven't figured out his name pronunciation yet. Anyway, Dave Batista's character is what I think. I was saying out. Rabin because there's two Bs. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Rabin is uh, Baron Harkonnen's nephew poor poor sap uh but we're introduced to him and he's basically going to be brought back in apparently he was he was in charge of shit on on arrakis previously and then got Mm -hmm. kicked the fuck off planet not sure what the story is there but i'm sure it was a good one uh anyway baron harkonnen lets him in on uh so throughout this chapter we find out that he now has food for hawat uh in his in his clutches uh and well, his, the sardaukar do the sardaukar do he's he's gonna get him. and he's plotting to <coughs> both him and 
who else? There's someone else that the Sardaukar have that he's trying to to get. I can't remember. So he can kill. Uh, oh, uh, Kynes. Dr. Kynes. Yeah, Dr. Kynes. So he wants Kynes dead. He wants Hawat to replace Peter DeVry. Um, and so he's he's laying out his plan. He's going to like wine and dine Thufir and it's like the f- you you just took everything away from this man and so it, it of course it comes out that now the baron knows that thufir does not trust lady jessica still suspects her of, of the treachery so he's uh, convinced that he can play that up yes to convince him to join him and so that's what he's that's what he's laying out and that's what he's laying out to radden uh and of it, it, so so i guess the plan is is to basically let use Rabin and his his son i believe it is his son or his nephew to uh, kind of help manipulate arrakis and basically start making his, the, making the push brother do what i think it's his little brother might be his little brother but the, the one they, that the one that he wants to ultimately become the emperor yeah i'm pretty sure it's his little brother Yes, so he is he is making a this is now part of his grand plan to not make himself emperor, which I, I have to admire. Like at least he's not, you know, all I will rule the galaxy. No, he's gonna like a Harkonnen's gonna do it. It just won't be me. It'll be this one. I like him. He's good. And then closes out the chapter with he has a nice body. And I'm going, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? He spends a lot of time discussing like bodies like yeah it's casually mentioned that he uses um suspensors to carry his own because basically he's so fat yes and there's a moment where rabin comes in the room and he's like taking stock of him basically and it's basically like he's already getting kind of pudgy he's gonna need suspensors just like me to carry his weight right but it's almost like he's he's thinking this like it's a good thing yeah i don't know it's weird it's fucking weird uh yeah so so that was that chapter the follow-up chapter we also that he purposely like yells at people for things that he's not actually mad about just to keep them afraid of him yeah yeah because he does that to his new uh new yeah like he's he's trying to convince the baron that uh Paul and his mom are dead and he's like it's oh it's it's certain it's for certain they flew into the storm no one no one can survive that and the Baron agrees but instead of saying as much and because he sees them squirm and decides to yell at him and be like is it certain have you seen their bodies well inside well internally he's like yeah they're dead it's 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 done I've succeeded well done me pat on the back right fear fear is how you no no it's not no no yeah. And then he casually keeps dismissing the Fremen. Like, yeah. uh, like Rabin keeps trying to say, these, we need to pay attention to these guys. And the Baron's just like, no, we don't. They're inconsequential. They don't matter. Right. The Sardaukar want to go take them out. So let them do it. Who cares? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, such a, uh, you, honestly. You just worry about getting me, paying me back. Yeah. And ruling with an iron fist. Right. Give me all the spice and keep fear in their hearts. It's like, oh, okay. So, uh, so that's where we left. Um, He's the Fire Lord. He, oh God. Moving Sorry. on. 
<laughs> so, uh, sorry, I'm trying to order my food here for dinner. Uh, so, so the follow-up chapter is we're back with Paul and Jessica, who are now back in the desert yep. and are making tracks to try and get to the Fremen. That's that's mm -hmm. the plan. Get to them, unite with them. Survive the desert, find the Fremen. Yeah. So that's what they're going to do. Um, along the way, of course, they are trying not to run into a worm uh, up to the point of changing the way that they step because apparently part of what disturbs the, mm -hmm. the sandworms is rhythm. If yeah, you want they, a certain rhythm, they're going to come towards you. If you take a couple steps, stop, take one step, stop, and just mm -hmm. kind no, of... You can't have a consistent rhythm, otherwise yeah. it draws them. Yes. So it's all part of their plan. They wind up on a kind of in a cliff face uh, above mm -hmm. the like desert. Out, outcropping of rocks. Yeah. Uh, and wind up getting caught in a sand, a sand slide, essentially. Uh, to where Lady Jessica gets buried. The, the pack that they have goes missing. Uh, so this all, whole chapter is basically about the two of them having to work together uh, to survive. He, he briefly panics and then has to remind himself yes. of both what he knows of her training and his training. Right. Uh, and then we're to get her out. And he, he as soon I noticed as soon as she's out, he's already like, well, the pack's gone. We're going to die. That's it. Yeah. And she's the one that's like, no, yeah. we can do this. Right. So figured out. <laughs> yeah. So basically where, where we have gone, where we've been the last few chapters with Paul after he had this great awakening uh, is that he's still a boy. He's still a teenager. Mm -hmm. He is still not quite sure of himself as confident as he was the last chapter or two uh this really shook him and showed that he still he has a very, lot more. yeah he very quickly acknowledges that he panicked and it was not yeah not, not the proper response that he expected of himself right and so lady jessica tells him that she still has much to teach him yeah and so yeah so so i feel like the this chapter was basically just kind of character building for the two of them mm -hmm. uh to kind of set us up for for where we're eventually going to go with them um, but to kind of show this bond between mother and son that has been rattled the last. I was say they, they they he was pretty cold towards her for a while, and this yeah. I think was the first step in kind of them coming back together. Then, yeah, 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 um, yeah. So so these were two good chapters, not not the fastest, but they were still interesting from a character mm -hmm. standpoint um, for for this chapter, and then of course from a plot standpoint with Harkonnen. Um, was also interesting and also gave us a new character. I'm actually really kind of excited to see what's going to happen with with this Rabin dude, uh, mm -hmm. especially since this is the Dave Batista character. Um, I am hoping because because there's a lot of talk about about violence uh, that he's committed and mm -hmm. what he can and can't do or is allowed not to do or allowed to do and not to do. And I'm going. I feel like Batista is going to just knock that shit out of the park. Probably. Uh, so. Um, I suck it, Rock. I would never say that to his face because he would definitely put me <laughs> through a table. Uh -huh. uh, all right, we're back. So, Dune, we are on chapters 28 through 30 this week. We went ahead and did another three because they were, again, kind of short. Uh, where did we last leave off? We had... Uh, oh, we had... Excuse me. We had Bar Baron Harkonnen's ultimate plan with Thufir Howitt. Mm -hmm. And then we had 
Uh, let's see. Oh, Paul and Jessica were stuck in the desert and had barely made it out from a landslide. Yeah, they were getting ready to cross open desert to another yes. outcropping of rock. Yes. So this week, to kick things back off, chapter 28, we we catch back up with Paul and Jessica. Not a whole lot really happens in this chapter other than just some more character development and a little more traveling across uh, the, the, the desert, essentially. Um, and of course, but what we do find out is how, how they're trying to move out of rhythm and the, like the, mm-hmm. the definite lack of a pattern, which we talked about last week, but now we actually get to see it in action. Uh, but the chapter winds up closing with Paul and Jessica surrounded by a group of uh, Fremen, Fremen um, who are ready to take their water. Was that chapter 28 or was that 29? I feel like I'm out of order. 29. It was 29. Okay. All right. I've got a lot to go. No, that's fine. That's, you know. Because <laughs> it's not like the order makes a huge difference at this no, point. No, and if you're reading the book. <laughs> and the storytelling. Right. So, okay. So that's chapter 29, backtrack to 28. 28 was the Gurney Halleck chapter. That's yes. what it was. Okay. Uh, so Halleck. Talking is, to a smuggler. Yes. He's the son of the smuggler that was killed in the, in the, the raid on, on the Atreides uh, fort. Yes. Or palace. Um, so we're talking to him and basically they're kind of like Thufir Hawat and the, and the Fremen he was talking to a few chapters ago they're they're talking to each other in the same language but they're not on the same page um so but basically what it winds up boiling down to is halleck is trying to uh score himself a little alliance to go take on baron harkonnen's forces and ultimately get some fucking revenge because let's be honest here everybody in the late in the atreides circle has been fucked over like yeah you know but the smuggler is sitting there going uh, i'm following you yeah, the, you're yeah. gonna do things my way you're gonna do what i say yeah the the you're smuggler, gonna follow me yeah the smuggler says i want no part of that shit so we're gonna wait so but if you're so if you're gonna join me you ain't making a move till we're ready to make a move yeah didn't uh, uh, but so which causes some friction between him and halleck because halleck is ready he wants yeah, to go he wants to go now even though he is physically and mentally exhausted at this point when we catch up to him he is ready to go fight and so he has to set that aside not just for himself but for the good of his men mm-hmm. this was a chapter i really because i really feel like we learned about gurney halleck and how we already knew he was loyal to to duke leto but what we what we really learned is that he's also loyal to his men and making sure that they come home alive um and ultimately is planning to give them the choice of whether or not to stay with him or and, and fight or go home and be with their families back on Caladan. So Smuggler also does not have some key pieces of information, such as who the traitor is or whether or not Paul and Jessica are alive. So Right. He he's under the impression that they are lost to the desert. Right. And that Thufir was He's not convinced that Jusko is the traitor, but he doesn't know who was. Right. So, Halleck is having to operate based on this intel. Right. Ultimately, it's going to wind up being the right choice, because I guarantee you by the end of this book, they're going to team up. They're going to find Jessica and Paul, and they're going to all go and rally against the Harkonnen forces. because duh, that's that's heroes during like one on one. Like it's gonna be fine. Like we've seen this play out in a million million different pieces of literature and fiction. So, 
so that that was chapter 28 paul and jessica 29 and then 30 was a surprise because i wasn't sure who we were going to learn about uh it just so so to kind of build up basically this chapter starts off with a blonde man in the desert literally dr kind's just digging himself out of the desert right um which out in the desert i should say yes so we find because last we knew he had been captured uh in in the raid with duncan idaho we still don't know what's happened to to duncan so come on you you don't get jason momoa for for just to uh see him for a minute and kill him off he's he's gonna gotta have a big part right uh so kynes was captured at, at that time and of course, we all know he he works as the imperial planetologist. He he's supposed to be there at, to quote the departed. There are guys you can hit, and there are guys you can't hit. Now he's not quite a guy that you can't hit, but you probably shouldn't. So we're just going to yeah. call him a guy you can't hit. Harkonnen doesn't give a shit. He's already playing this out the way he wants to, and is going to have absolute deniability and all that. So he uh, leaves him out in the desert with no still suit no provisions nothing yes just leaves them there to die right which you have to imagine is a pretty horrid way to go dying in the desert you know dehydration like and sun sunstroke he's already kind of hallucinating he is and he knows it uh because yeah, the he's time... hearing the voice of his fa- planet planetologist father lecturing him about <laughs> ruckus yes and so it's, it's terraforming of... Yeah, so it's kind of an, uh, a kind of a funny scene and chapter to play out, even though you know where it's headed. He keeps getting uh, mad at him. Why are you lecturing me? Right. <laughs> so yeah, so there's there's this bit of humor to it, even though it's it's kind of dark and things are you know bad things are about to happen. Um, so Kynes knows he is on like uh, I'm gonna call it a fault line, even though I know that's not the right word, uh, but it's like a like a water Pre-spice. spice. There's spice there. Pre spice. There's not yeah. spice yet yes but there will be pretty spice so basically there is there's like a geyser underneath that is going to erupt and it's going mm-hmm. to pull everything down into it and it's going to create spice and kinds knows this and is trying to get out and cannot because of these hallucinations and, and dehydration all okay. that, cannot get away and so we basically this is a chapter where we read about a man dying um yeah so and that pretty well sums it up uh, I, I peeked ahead. I know our next chapter is going back to Paul and Jessica, so we'll find out what's happened to them. I didn't go ahead and read it. I just kind of looked over at the words. I'm like, oh, Paul and Jessica, shit. I got okay. Got to wait. So, Well, I'm, I'm on a Kindle version, so yes, I have to hit the, the next yeah. button to make sure I'm at the end of the chapter, and so I saw it too. So, uh, so these three chapters, uh, again, more character development essentially and and bringing in the return of of one character from the start that we haven't heard from since the dinner party mm-hmm. um oh i forgot that that the end of that chapter uh i didn't tear up but i could definitely see why somebody would um because the entire time i was thinking of mash uh just kind of that vibe basically so if you're reading along with us you you know and spoilers if you didn't fuck why are you listening anyway um so in this chapter uh by the end of it gurney goes to goes to his men to basically tell them these are your options you can either leave or you can stay well he gets run up on by by his assistant who tells him that one of the men is dying and you know that he's saying to him 
So yeah. So he hands him his as he dies. And says, I want you to sing the song. Or basically tells him he wants you to sing the song because it's one of his favorites that you do and all that. Because throughout the book, there, there's reference to him having this set and kind of being the the bar. He just randomly sings, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is gonna be really interesting to watch Josh Roland do, but that's neither here nor there. Uh so he winds up singing this really sound sanding the sounding sad sounding song uh to this to this troop as he dies and i'm just sitting here going seriously where the fuck are hawkeye and and bj or trapper john at this point like damn I love how i'm the mash fanatic but you're the one that thought of mash reading that chapter and i didn't no, yeah, it's, it's just that moment like that's just what i thought of like you could see that though being a part oh yeah of oh yeah easily definitely um so that's, yeah that's completely a hawkeye move Oh yeah. So so yeah. So we we get this moment with with Gurney and where he's at in his headspace and all that. Paul and Jessica kind of they've kind of stagnated. We're we're kind of on the same footing with them, other than Paul's still having to learn not to panic. Like and that's kind of how the the chapter ends. But it seems to recover much quicker this time. Yes. Than than with the avalanche. So he's he's getting there. Yeah. So it just didn't feel like a whole lot happened in that chapter. So, and then the last one, so this was, it was like, it was like a mini story in one, but totally three different characters. Cause you had a beginning, you had a middle and you mm-hmm. had an end. It was just with different people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So that, I think the last chapter with Kynes might've been my favorite of the three. Just, we, we, I mean, it, it taught, it, we learned a lot about how the planet works. Yes. That chapter. Yes. How, how spice comes to be. Right. And how, like it talked about the balance of um, oxygen, CO2, and nitrogen, despite the lack of plant life. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I thought that was really good. Like I said, it was it was an interesting three chapters. I wasn't as enthralled this time. I, like I b- barreled through them last night when I was reading because I wanted to get through them. But yeah. Um, but at this point, I'm more ready to see see the big action. What's going to happen next? Like because. Yeah. Obviously, we're building to it. Uh, what were your thoughts? This is very much kind of a state of the union set of chapters. Yeah, it really was. We're getting into the next, the next <laughs> bit. <laughs> like, all right, they almost died here, so this is how they get through, and now we're getting ready to encounter yeah. the next obstacle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's that's pretty much it for this week on on the Dune Book Club. So um, we are approaching. We're over the halfway point in this book. So, mm-hmm. um, it's getting exciting. I'm really, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing this Dune movie night that we talked about. I think last week. I know. The more I read, the more I'm like, can I just watch it so, so I can get through faster and know what's I, going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm just ready to go. So, uh, so that's gonna do it for that. All right. We are on chapter, chapters. Sorry. 31 and 32 this week. So we did two chapters. Last week when we left off, what had happened? Uh, Paul and Jessica had been confronted by some people. Some mystery people. Uh, That's the only thing that's relevant to what we read today. Right. So we'll go from there. Oh, yeah. We had had run back into Gurney Halleck and his... Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I remember now. All right. So this week, the two chapters, 
are actually part of it looks like a four three to four chapter like portion of the story um mm -hmm. usually this book it seems to jump around from chapter to chapter as to who we're following be it um be it the atreides or or any of their their underlings or the harkonnens or whoever uh this time around it's back-to-back -back chapters of paul and jessica uh, so when we last left them, they were they were surrounded um, by people that were more than likely framing, uh, but they weren't quite sure who they were with. Yeah. This week we find out who who they are. Um, earlier in the book, Duncan Idaho had brought a character in named Stilgar uh, to meet Duke Leto, who is kind of a leader of. I'm assuming this like tribe of Freyma. I don't, I don't think that they're a centralized group at this point. Yeah, no, I didn't so, get that feeling either. Yeah. So, but Stilgar is in, is in league with, with Dr. Kynes. Mm -hmm. uh, and so has basically surrounded these, these folks cause they're out hunting. However, they're specifically hunting for Paul and Jessica, but not specifically Paul because as we find out throughout the chapter, they're not planning on keeping Jessica. They're planning on leaving her to the desert, which yes. I understand from their point of view because it's not, it's not without its rationale. It's they only have so much that they can support people with. And since water is so scarce. Yeah. And as far as they know, he, she's just his mom. Yeah. And so they don't seem to really know anything yeah. else about her beyond that right and so it's so they're it's like very, she's not important we can leave her just take yeah. the kid yeah and it's very much a the child man yes the child man it's very much not a yeah it's not that we don't want to take you it's just we can't take you unless no. you have something valuable to us and well she does because <laughs> she proceeds to just whip the shit out of literally every last one of stilgar's men to takes him hostage to basically prove a point to which he goes, I'm impressed. Can you please stop putting me in this chokehold? Uh, yeah. Can you teach us the weirding way is what they call it. Basically yeah. her, her style of fighting and, and combat yeah. uh, of which Paul has partaken, but is not quite as skilled yet. Yeah. In the same chapter, uh, we also meet uh, Chani, who or mm -hmm. Chani, Chani, Chani? Uh, we'll figure out the pronunciation later. Uh, who is the daughter? We find out is the doc, uh, the daughter of Doctor Kynes. Also and, is uh, Zendaya's character. Zendaya's character, yes. So, uh, so we will we will now be getting to know her. Apparently, she's quite skilled as well. Um, so throughout the two chapters, though, it's a lot of uh jessica and stilgar kind of coming to understand each other mm -hmm. and same goes with with paul and and chani um yeah. yes and kind of figuring out what the next move is um trying to sorry trying to remember back to everything that we read there um because it was a lot of a lot of talk about about the tribe and yes. making sure specifically in jessica's case making sure that she's not likely to challenge stilgar to take power yeah he seems worried that she's going to try to take over and so 
right he's cautioning her against that saying my men would never follow you and she's basically being like i don't i don't want to take your place yeah she's she's like i know stop stop worrying about me right but what we do find out in the same chapter is that the the benny gesserits have basically kind of been setting up everything possible to kind of make this a self-fulfilling prophecy is what it sounds like yeah they implanted an idea yeah it seems like they said earlier in the book i don't know if it's the same prophecy is planted everywhere in the universe or if it's different it seems like there's a couple different ones they do right because there's a few times where it's brought up and jessica is like it's like she's reminding herself of the details of oh yeah okay so they have this one and so she seems to kind of be playing into it yeah knowing that that they're kind of they're going to for all appearances her and paul are going to seem to fulfill that prophecy so she's seems to be playing into it to encourage the idea that they are those people right without making it obvious that she's playing them yeah yeah it was uh it was a really interesting like way to to tell the story of you know in most of these stories the chosen one kind of prophecy or whatever there's always there's always some kind of little manipulation that ha- works to make it happen but i don't think you've ever we've ever seen anything like on this scale where it is mm-hmm. potentially either either multiples for different planets or trying to make this one work to the point that they are manipulating it to the to yeah usually it's some nebulous thing that no one knows how it started or where it came from but it's always been there no one really believes it until suddenly someone magically comes along and fulfills it right and in this case it's no we know where it came from we know why it's there and we know what she's doing to make herself her and her son fit it yes to their own benefit yeah yeah it was a it was an interesting read i really kind of wanted to go go into the next chapter after that but i decided i need to get some sleep um yeah uh, nothing real exciting happened these two chapters but enough interesting stuff was put forth to kind of Mm -hmm. keep the story rolling along and not not feel like you're slogging around too much um Yeah, I'll be kind of curious to see what happens next as far as this kind of almost uneasy alliance uh, between Jessica and Stilgar. um, Obviously, Paul Paul and Shani have got to to wind up together by the end of it because why the hell else do you cast Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya? Yep. Yeah. Talk about dune and we finally had some shit happen this week it's true so uh when we last left off uh jessica and paul were kind of uh acclimating to their new surroundings after after uh, getting well the fremen group that they yeah, had so uh so they're now joined. teamed up with stilgar uh this week uh chapters 33 and 34 we found paul had gotten himself into a bit of a tiff because in the previous two chapters, when they were uh, being captured by captured by Stilgar's group, uh, Lady Jessica, of course, whipped the shit out of everybody on her level. At yeah. some point during those chapters, Paul, while escaping or you know getting to a higher vantage point so he could see what was going on, uh, also kicked the shit out of somebody else named Jameis, and mm-hmm. Jameis was not having it. Uh, 
dude's been very skeptical as in all stories like this where there's a messiah somebody is always skeptical and Jameis is no exception so he is incredibly skeptical of of jessica and paul uh possibly being the the uh their messiahs their savior and so therefore in or institutes the the rule uh of this framing group which is basically trial by combat um challenging paul to a fight that paul does not realize is to the death until they're in the too late yeah Yeah. uh and so of course hilarity ensues the fight plays out paul wins in what seemed to be rather handily without doing a whole lot but delivering a killing blow yeah he Um, used used james's own momentum against him. him yeah um to the point that people thought that he was toying with Jameis. So that's that's chapter 33. 34 is the aftermath and the funeral for Jameis, which includes Paul taking taking his water uh, and learning, basically learning a whole new custom for people yeah. while also dealing with his, uh, with his visions of the future and uh, wanting to prevent this recurring vision that he has of the, the green and black Atreides flags being flown over some pretty violent uh yeah you keep seeing this future of people using the atreides name to wage i actually the word jihad is actually used yes and he is trying to prevent it yeah and what's interesting is when you kind of start wrapping up that second chapter we read he he starts to realize that's what his mom wants yes and to the point where he literally says that his mom has become his enemy yes because she wants to use him to wage war in the atreides name and he does not yeah which i yeah. thought was fascinating it it is because that's the realization he's having meanwhile jessica like during the entire fight uh obviously she's rooting for her son and is had initially tried to kind of use her power to rig this fight in paul's favor yeah, well, at one point, Stilgar tries to get, tries to turn Jameis's anger on him right. to try to get him to call Stilgar out instead so that, so he's trying to protect Paul as well. Yes. So, but he's basically all... like, I can take him, get mad at me instead. Yeah. So, so after, after this fight, there's this whole interlude where, of course, they're cleaning up Jameis's body you know, Paul's kind of not really reveling in the victory, but, you know, just kind of seems to be happy to be alive. And to which Jessica comes over and immediately, immediately asks, well, how does it feel to kill someone? You know, to immediately try and, and curve a bloodlust that. Yeah. She seems worried that he's going to enjoy it. Yeah. To feel praised, to feel like it's a positive. Does not want that for him. No. Uh, to which Stilgar even even works his way in to also kind of uh, push that forward. Um, yeah, because it, it, seem, it sounds like Stilgar hadn't realized that he had never killed anyone before. Right. So he had assumed because he fought so well that this was just another, just another person, another body. Yeah. And so when Jessica makes a big deal about it, that's when he realizes, oh shit, he's never done this before. Okay. Yeah. This is a whole nother whole nother ball game right so he changes his tune pretty quickly too right so so then it becomes is 
is Paul right? Is this exactly what Jessica wants for him with this future of, of leading war? Or is it just part of, you know, the very different visions that he keeps having? Because it's like different paths depending on what he chooses. He's, and this is yeah, the one he's he get trying away. to find the path that does not lead to war. And he's right. not having a whole lot of success. No. Um, but as far as what's with, whether that's what Jessica wants, <laughs> we as the reader know that is exactly what she wants. Because she flat out says it. Well, right. thinks it. Yes. In her narrative, she flat out it flat out says that that that's what she wants, and then immediately flips back to Paul, going, eh, "I think this is what she wants, and I, I can't have a part of that." Right. So, um, all in all, I thought these two chapters were excellent and uh, continued continued the story on a smaller scale, but got us going through what Paul's going to have to do in order to basically get these 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 people to to come to him and follow yeah. him into glory essentially or into this revolution yeah. uh i mean I've, I've seen it with a lot more than this, these two chapters but especially with these two chapters so much so much of the what takes place takes place in their minds and their thoughts and their intentions that i'm curious right. to, to see how that gets translated to the screen yeah it's yeah. like it's it's been quite that there's been quite a bit of that Mm-hmm. in this story up until now but i feel like these two chapters especially there's so much going on within each of their minds yeah but that i'm curious to see how that how that's gonna work yeah i am too um because usually when it comes to books like that where it's a lot of internal monologues and mm-hmm. inner thoughts and all of that it's kind of hard to translate those to film yeah. But there's still plenty of action across the 617 pages that we've gotten that I feel like you're going to see a lot more of those kind of things played out just in the uh, the actor's body language and all yeah. that uh, to try and convey those thoughts. I wouldn't be surprised if we do get some kind of like narrative or narrator over top, be it Paul or Jessica or both like mm-hmm. during their moments. Um, but yeah, I am curious. I'm with you to see to see how that's going to play out on the big screen. Because I've, I've seen a lot of, I mean, be, being someone who likes young adult books and has saw a lot of my favorites turned into movies over the years, it's so frustrating as someone who read the book to talk to people who only watch the movie and don't understand intentions behind things that happen. And it's 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 hard to, I understand it's hard to relay that movie, but sometimes it's so frustrating. I'm like, but you don't understand. You're just judging this person based on these actions, but you're not understanding all the underlying subtext in it because you didn't read the book right and how do i explain an entire book's worth of internal monologue yeah and attentions to you that i that, that didn't apparently didn't come across well yeah in the books right uh it's funny it's funny what you see translated over two films and what you don't see um mm-hmm. Things that are just done as like little character traits never that certainly never make it over from from what you've read yeah. point i sent you i sent you a a, a a screenshot of a ryan johnson tweet this week about how uh can't remember exactly how it was worded but basically it's hard to explain to somebody exactly how much discussion is given about toast in an average Ian oh, yeah, yeah. James bond movie or John, james bond book to which and as someone which, who has not read the james bond books i was pretty much like what yes so, and I had to explain to you, so, so there are, there are sections. Right. So 
so I had to explain to you that there are sections of the book, which I've started reading Dr. No this week. I posted that on Twitter. Uh, and I have not reached a breakfast moment yet, but uh, part of it is that is, is kind of establishing Bond as kind of this creature of habit and how he likes his certain things. Obviously, we know he likes his martinis shaken, not stirred and all that. Mm. But when it comes to his breakfast, it gets it gets detailed, but it doesn't get like, you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, describing a tree detailed. We're not going on for 20, 20, 30 pages about a tree. It's just he likes his coffee and it's the way he orders it. And then the way it shows up and he talks, you know, they talk about it, like how the toast is done, the eggs, uh, the very, very black coffee and all this. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I know that's done as a character trait, but it is kind of funny because it keeps getting brought up. It seems like every single book that you read. So like I said, I haven't hit that with Dr. No. But like I said, those things that you read about in the book wind up often, more often than not, not making the movie. And so I'm really getting curious to what's going to be cut from mm-hmm. Dune when we get to that point. Yeah. Um, be it be it these internal monologues or or what have you. So... I don't know. It's just, I just find it interesting. But yeah, the last few chapters have really started to, to build what Paul is becoming. So that's, that's kind of where we're at with, with this whole thing. Um, I think another, I think of any specific examples from anything I've read. And I think most Mm -hmm. of it ends up coming from like Hunger Games. I feel like there was a lot of times I'd be talking about hunger games with somebody and they'd be confused about something and i'd have to explain something from the books right that didn't translate or was not either wasn't included in the movies or apparently didn't translate well right well you got to think about how many different things have been done that way too where they've had to completely change something in order to make it fit for Mm -hmm. for the cinematic vision case in point um personalities that don't always come across the same no because like Katniss, especially in the movies, I know there's some people that think she comes across as just straight up bitch. Yeah. I'm like, no. 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 <laughs> Read the books, get inside of her head, and you will understand it's it's not it's right. not that cut and dry. Right. Uh <laughs> I was gonna say with uh like and not just like internal things with with uh how people talk or think or anything like that. Uh, one of my favorite examples is Watchmen, the movie. If you've ever read the graphic novel, you know one of the big catalysts for like the final act of the book, and it's basically mm-hmm. kind of a recurring plot that, that that you don't get the full picture until it's too late, is basically uh, in the book, it is a, a squid alien monster thing gets dropped in the middle of Manhattan and causes a lot of death and destruction. But when it gets there, it's dead. And so, but even still, when it gets there, it still causes a lot of, yeah, death and destruction. So for the movie, they didn't do that. Essentially, they turned one of the characters into a nuclear weapon or, yeah, and caused him to cause the same amount of chaos and destruction that the squid monster did because they didn't feel like the squid monster would translate as well. And I'm sitting there going, give me the fucking squid monster. I just want to see somebody try and pull that off. Translate well. Huh? What do you mean that wouldn't translate well? That's, that's, that's pretty straightforward. That's what I said, but that was that was the decision that was made. Now, granted, it works in the movie. I think it works well in the movie. But like I said, when you're reading the graphic novel, you're like, that's not what they did on the movie. Like, <laughs> just like that, you know? Um, I say little things. It's a quite huge thing that happens there. So, 
Um, but what they chose to do still works. It's just not a giant squid monster. So uh, that's, that's like how they started making Harry Potter movies before the books were finished. And I was like, you get to some of the later books and you're like, oh, this, this, this tied into a plot point that wasn't included in the early movies. Crap. Yep. <laughs> now yeah. what are they going to do? <laughs> well, anyway, all in all, what did you think of these two chapters? They were interesting. Yeah. I liked them. Yeah. I, what we didn't get to talk about, uh, and I wanted to, uh, so the funeral sequence, because we've talked, I feel like we talked a lot about Jameis and what, what Paul and, uh, and Jessica's motivations are, but that second chapter where it's focused a lot on, on the actual funeral, uh, and the ceremony of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a little misty eyed reading that because like I said, you feel Paul's pain from having to actually have taken a life. Yeah. And then having to claim to be a friend of the person that he fought. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I sat there and I went, that is such a weird thing to do. But when I think about it in our society, we don't, we don't speak, it's, it's frowned upon to speak ill of the dead. Uh, yeah. And so I feel like this kind of ties into it, but not only is he having to, you know, say something kind about the person he just killed, but he also has to take something of theirs yeah and it's yeah it's kind of an emotional segment to read um because you're just not quite quite sure what to make of it yeah and it's like you're trying to put yourself in his shoes and have to go through that and like i don't know that i could do that yeah so um but i did i found i found that section interesting i kind of wanted to talk about it more but uh we're starting to run into our break times So we, last week we had, uh, Paul had fought to the death with Jameis and mm-hmm. is now, or has been dealing with the repercussions of that, learning the culture of uh, uh, funerals and all that, the framing, framing ways. This week, we've got three chapters that we, we read. 30, what did I tell you? 36 through 38? I don't 35 through 38. So. 35 through 36. I think it's 30, 36 through 38. Anyway. We don't have numbers. We're just losing track at this point. So, uh, yeah. So this week, our first chapter that we read actually does not concern Paul or Lady Jessica. We'll get back to them in the next two. Uh, this week was about uh, Freyd Rautha, the uh, the Na Baron or Baron Harkonnen's nephew. Um, basically, we're getting an introduction to this character because part of Baron Harkonnen's plan is to use him to take the throne of Emperor and then basically run run the galaxy or whatever, whatever his grand plan is. So, but just being an evil shit. Um, in the meantime, uh, Harkonnen is also dealing with uh, Count and Lady Fenring. Uh, who are a couple of aristocrats who obviously who work for the emperor and are basically mm-hmm. kind of keeping tabs on what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, this chapter was a lot of a lot of like political back and forth about you know who who has leverage on who. Um, yeah. You know, Harkonnen does not like like the fact that this guy's like trying snooping to snooping around, snooping around, and uh, kind of instigating and trying to make things a little more difficult for him. Um, so in this chapter, uh, in kind of a parallel with what's been going on with Paul, Freyd Rautha has been, uh, or Fade Rautha, I, I can't remember his name. At this I think point. it's Fade. Fade Rautha uh, has been um, 
has been taking part in gladiatorial games, gladiatorial games, mm-hmm. um, and has just killed his 100th slave gladiator, which in this context is not necessarily people that, that they have enslaved just strictly for battling. It's people that they have captured, including members of the Atreides uh, guard, yeah. uh, as we find out. Well, so Fade Routh mm-hmm. has actually been working with uh, Thufir. Tricks up a scheme with what? Yeah, to kind of basically make himself look good and make the people love him. Right. By taking them out. Yes. Uh, And then to kind of sow the seeds of a deeper conspiracy by by making it look like people are coming after the Harkonnens to to you know take oh try and overtake them. It it was complicated, but kind of convoluted, not necessarily complicated. Um, Almost winds up getting his own ass killed because oh yeah, uh, part of this plan requires so what they do is they actually take their slaves, their slave gladiators and drug them to make them more, I guess, animalistic, but also sluggish. That's kind of my Yeah, it makes them like seek out uh, a fight, but at the same time weakens their abilities. Mm -hmm. So it makes them more violent, but less skilled, basically. Right. Um, Looks good, but it's not, they're not hard to beat. Right. And the thing is, everybody in the the arena knows this. To which I'm sitting there going, if everybody knows that's how... Because it talks about the drug that they're given changes their skin, which means it gives them an orange tint, which means in order to do this whole fake out, since they're not actually drugging this dude, they painted painted his skin, so they painted him orange so that it looks like he's been drugged. Right. So, anyway, so this chapter winds up basically... Introducing Fade Routha as being cunning, but also young and cocky. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And not, you know, almost, like I said, the, the flip side of the coin from where Paul is at this current moment. Because Paul's, Paul's... I very much wanted to punch him in the face the entire chapter. Which is funny because when I'm reading that, I know I'm supposed to be picturing Timothy Chalamet as Paul, and all I could picture is Timothy Chalamet as this guy. Uh, and I'm like... The boy. Yeah the boy and i'm sitting there going he has a punchable face why isn't he playing this character anyway that just we know who's playing this character i don't i could probably look it up sorry continue talking i'll look it up nope you're good uh so yeah so that was that chapter basically like i said a lot of a lot of going back and forth and almost setting into motion some paranoia for for harkonnen as well because he does not want fenring or whoever snooping mm-hmm. around and doing what he's doing um it's really just it's a lot of heavy or a lot of dialogue throughout this this entire chapter uh and also fade routha all you know doing things to try and get on on harkonnen's nerves such as trying to de- or you know making it look like he's going to dedicate a fight to, or this fight to lady fenring who does not want him to do that he is not listed so I wonder if, because I've heard, like, like I said, everything I've read, yeah. is, this is supposed to be the first half of the book is the movie. So maybe he hasn't been cast yet because they probably haven't done half the second half because, you know, we don't know when we're going to see this damn movie at this point. Uh, I, I did just learn that apparently Liette Kynes is being played by a woman. Yes. Uh, and that's something we'll talk about when we get closer to the, to the film is that that character has been gender swapped. Yeah. And I'm not mad about it. So, uh, no, I'm not mad. I didn't know that before then. Yeah. Before this. So. Uh, anyway, sorry. Yes. Continue. 
so so that was that was chapter 35 or 36 i can't remember where we're at i think it's 36 um the next chapter 37 is we're back to paul we're back amongst the framing um mm -hmm. and now paul is still dealing with the aftermath of his fight with Jameis, which now includes taking on uh Jameis's woman uh whose name is yes. me right now um uh hurrah it's like sarah with an h but it starts with an h hera hera hurrah uh, we're gonna go with hera or i'm gonna go with hera so because uh, i feel like if i say uh hurrah i'm gonna go hurrah <laughs> so hera <laughs> who who uh is the is the widow of Jameis, but is mm -hmm. also the widow of somebody named jeff, jeff. before that poor Jameis. and yeah. Jameis apparently bested jeff to win right hera and so as, and, as and so now she passes to right he takes her as a uh, a servant not uh, as a uh, wife yes which she is very offended but i'm young <laughs> when she kept saying no when she kept saying but i'm young all <laughs> i could hear in my head is your story of the woman and in, in uh Port Arthur, Arthur, but i'm grown <laughs> that's, that's all i heard in my head but i'm young <laughs> So to put this in perspective, we don't know exactly how old uh, Hera is. We mm -hmm. know she's old enough to have had two boys by two different yes. men. Uh, one with Jeff, Jamie. one with Jameis. Yes. Uh, whose names also escape me at this point because there's so much going on. In that it's all. mentioned once and yeah. they don't play a big kids. role yet. Yeah. Um, but apparently the kids are, are you know, even, even nastier fighters than their adult counterparts, which cracks me up what did it say I they were like eight and ten something like were. that yes yes um so yeah so so she Which doesn't really say much to old hera is because paul tells them that he's 15 and they don't think twice about offering her as a wife to him right they're not like oh well he's young so no they're just like okay well do you want her as a wife or do you want her as a servant so she could have been 15 when she started having babies. She could be like barely in her 20s. Right. Oh. So, so yeah, so we, like I said, I wanted to put that out there for perspective. She keeps sh saying she's young. We know Paul is 15. Excuse me. Um, we know Paul is 15. And so we're sitting there going, how young is she? How much older than <laughs> Paul is she? She's got to be old enough to have a 10 and an eight-year-old either way but if but if they don't think it's weird that they're offering a woman as a wife to a 15 year old then uh how young was she when she had the first kid right so uh <laughs> yeah um so it's already an uncomfortable situation not just for us the readers but also for paul who decides no which i think we already know and and the next chapter kind of confirms it paul's paul's head and his heart are already with chani yes. so which is fine uh, I think it's also in this chapter. It might be in the next one. Um, no, it's in this chapter. Uh, Chani has found out that uh, her father, Liette Kynes, is dead. Um, yes. And so is also, she's she's having to grieve. But this is now a bonding point between them because it gets referenced in the next chapter that they have yeah, now both, both lost, lost fathers. fathers. And not just not just lost their fathers, but lost their fathers too. The to Hark the Harkonnens. So... So it'll be it'll be love and revenge from here on out. So that was except that. no because Paul is still pushing for peace. Yes, um, yeah, and that keeps getting referenced. But we find out he's yeah. getting a new new little alcove apartment. But we also find out that because the Harkonnens um, 
searching. Yeah, because he he's responsible for Hera and her children. Well, Hera for a year. He's responsible for yes. the children for basically ever. But he's only only has to be responsible for Hera for a year, after which he can either agree to keep her or set her free. Yes. And she does not seem to like the idea of being set free. No, no. Because she immediately is trying to convince him that she could be helpful. She could. Because she's young, Trisha. She's young. So, it seriously, it got repeated like four or five times and I'm just sitting there going... It was uncomfy. Yeah. So, uh, so we are left with that in that chapter. And then in the next chapter, uh, we're back with Lady Jessica, who has made preparing to go through the ceremony to become the the reverend mother right the yeah the reverend mother for for the framen um so yeah so it's not not quite told right away it's just been alluded to that she's about to do something that's dangerous not just for her but also for her unborn child uh yes in case you guys forgot she's still pregnant so um yeah so this chapter is basically a transition of power uh both Mm -hmm. both just in a figurative sense and in a very literal literal sense uh the uh the current reverend mother of of this tribe of framen uh ramalo they're getting ready to basically bug out they can't stay they have to move they're preparing to move but the reverend mother has said she will not survive i can't i can't make another move it's time to 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 transition to a new reverend mother right to which um what's his name stilgar stilgar has basically convinced jessica to become to put herself to the test to become the next reverend mother yeah which apparently requires drinking poison yes spiced up poison yes. uh it's it, yeah it's kind of a weird chapter she for... basically takes a, a really intense trip and has it's to survive it's true. It's super, like, I can't actually wait to see that on the big screen because I think... There's so much about this book that I'm like, how the hell? Yeah. Uh, so so she winds up going on this big acid trip with, you know, uh, with Romalo as basically she is ingesting and attaining all of her memories, knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that. like basically all the past lives. Every single Reverend Mother in the entire line is just passed along into her consciousness yeah but, and then the reverend mother the old reverend mother goes why didn't you tell us you're pregnant yeah like do you know how dangerous that is <laughs> uh yeah so <laughs> so i'm sitting there going yeah she, you, you she, just took a she also has to like psychically calm her unborn daughter down right it, yeah, this entire chapter was... She realizes like, she can't do it with words, so she has to, like, psychically pass her emotions along to calm yeah. down the, the fetus. Yeah, it's it's a weird chapter to read. This is, like, everything else in this this book has been straightforward. So was I the only one that when it came to the point where Jessica, one of the past Reverend Mothers, tells Jessica, let them have their orgy, you, like physically was like wait what (laughs) what did like i literally read it three times like did i just read what i think i just read yeah i'm going where is this orgy like i i need to know i have questions like i'm i'm confused now (laughs) yeah uh so yeah so did you mean literally or were you 
being talking about like figurative at this point. the fighting that's going to happen which we still don't know because immediately after all of this Chani and Paul disappear on their own right <laughs> we don't well, maybe as of now we don't know what happens in the big communal space of 20,000 people left behind right so we have to so we have to backtrack so when, <laughs> when this this trip is all over essentially the tradition is is basically basically the reverend mother has made this liquid safe to drink by yes. ingesting so it then, then it is shared amongst is. the population which apparently puts everybody else on a fucking trip and so that's what happens with paul yeah, and it talks Tana. a lot about they're all connected so i basically because paul comments later in the chapter that he thinks that they all have a bit of kind of the ability so to speak but they mm -hmm. suppress it and this is like the one time they kind of let themselves experience it yeah and so they all kind of become connected and right. it scares them a right little bit. or at uh, least johnny johnny is like i don't know how i feel about this yeah no uh so yeah it's basically implied that yes that they that at the very least johnny has has some of this this ability to see mm -hmm. different futures and so it winds up ending with him comforting her and her really leaning into this trip she's about to go on and that's where we end book two and, and talking about seeing herself holding his babies yes so yeah their they, babies yes um, and i'm like y'all y'all are teenagers we've already established he's 15 why are y'all talking about babies uh yeah no stop it, it. uh why, it, why we have 15 year olds talking about babies and orgies in this chapter what the hell i don't know i'm i'm sitting here at 30 almost 33 going <laughs> why are we talking about babies period <laughs> so that's where we end book two uh so here's how so before we kind of dig any further into this i'm gonna let you guys know we have about four more weeks left of doing this book uh which i've enjoyed i've enjoyed doing this i don't know if we'll do it again or not uh with something else but uh this has been fun to kind of kind of get into and dig into something that we know is coming soon ish mm -hmm. um so yeah, so we've got about uh, three weeks at about, or four weeks at about three chapters each. I went ahead and looked ahead. The last two chapters, so like the-, the I have the digital version, so I, I, right. I don't, I'm not going to do that. That's no, too much work. No, that's, that's why I went ahead and did it. So I'm like, okay, this is what I'm at. Is this going to be a de big deal for you? Yeah. Uh, but like the last chapter itself is 29 pages. And I'm sitting going, that's a long ass fucking chapter. Yeah, considering we've had- weeks where we've done two chapters that are like 30 pages right right so so that last week it's going to be about a 40 page chapter which has been about what we've been averaging here lately and will be about the average of the last couple weeks or last four weeks so um so yeah so these three chapters i just right out the gate i i will just tell you now i am i am ready to see fade ralta just get killed off he's barely been introduced and i already hate his guts not just because the, the whole time we were going through the fight with fade ralta and the gladiator i really wanted hawat to have double crossed him right because it's it talks about how he basically like he like basically brainwashed the gladiator so that when fade ralta said scum it would lock up his muscles to yes. give Fade Ratha an advantage. And I really wanted him to say scum and nothing happened. And then the gladiator just kill him and that just be right. a, a whole big ordeal. And then when it didn't happen, I was 
kind of disappointed. I yeah, I wanted that. I just wanted it to end with Phaedra dying, and they're just yeah. being this big uproar, and then it just switches back to Paul and Jessica. I yeah, and that's what I wanted uh, to happen. It didn't happen, and so I'm kind of wondering. Okay, yeah. is the final battle? No, they're they're gonna have a final battle with Paul yeah. and Phaedra. The second they they had um, the Fenrigs, one of the Fenrigs. I don't remember which one. Comment because they were talking about bloodlines. This lady, Lady Fenrig, is a Benny Gesserit. Yes, and she's basically been instructed to save the bloodline, and so she's basically plotting to have Fade Rath's babies and get impregnated by him and then run away. Right. <laughs> and the second they start talking about, they made a comment of, I think I don't remember if it was her or him, made a comment about they wonder what Fade Rath would have been like with the Atreides moral code. I was like, man, we're he's gonna survive. We're gonna have a Paul versus Phaedroth like yeah, showdown. It's gonna be mirror mirror versions of each other. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> but like, I don't like him and I want him to die now. Right. And that's the thing is like we've seen that play out in plenty of movies before. So or stories. Yeah. Um yeah, so I I'll lean into it. I'm like, all right, fine, we gotta do that. Because let's be honest, watching watching Paul just beat the shit out of a fat Stellan Skarsgard is just not gonna be entertaining. So so I guess this will work. So um, wouldn't it be funny if they had Fade Rautha played by Timothy Chalamet as well? Like just with like, I don't know, uh, a Groucho well, Marks mask. Like we've, we've already established that technically Paul is a, is descended from Harkonnen. So, so might as well. But it also talks about how much he favors his father. So yeah. Yeah. So which to what? Not going to happen. Which, I mean, yes, the Atreides are distinct cousins of the Harkonnens, but what are the odds that come out looking identical? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, Timothy Chalamet does not really resemble uh, Oscar Isaac, which is unfortunate for him. So let's be honest. Oscar. Not really, but yeah. at least, at least they got a dude that's light skinned and a kid with curly hair. Like, yeah, I'm a, a <laughs> the bare minimum attempt was made. <laughs> An attempt was made. So the bare minimum attempt bare was minimum. made. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. I've uh, seen but, worse. F- parent child casting so yeah uh another big takeaway for me is how how far is lady jessica willing to go in order to meet her goals and aspirations in this because well she straight up says when she's when she's getting ready to go through this ceremony she's debating whether she should do it because if she does it she risks the life of her unborn daughter right as well as her own yeah but she seems less concerned about her own She's debate. She's weighing her options as far as her kids go. If she yeah. goes through with the ceremony, she risks her baby, her unborn daughter. But she knows that she, if she goes through with it, she's ensuring Paul's safety. Right. So it's kind of a Sophie's Choice moment. Yeah. And so, on the one hand, it seems like she's worried about Paul, but she is the one that's kind of pushing for war. Yeah. And it seems like she still is hoping to get in with the Fremen and convince them to basically be their army. Meanwhile, Paul is still sitting there going, no, 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 no. I need to avoid, it specifically says jihad several times. Yeah. Like I, I need to avo- find a path <laughs> that avoids war. I want peace. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. you know, that argument's going to happen at some point between Paul and Jessica. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Speaking of of jihad and obviously the the Arabic uh, 
inspiration In for, for the language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you catch that the Fremen were, uh, it said something about being descended from Sunni? Just yes. a Sunni. It doesn't I, specify Muslims. Yeah, just a Sunni. Yeah, our Sunni yeah. ancestors. I did notice that. Yeah, I sat there and I went, that's actually really cool because you got to think this book was, you know, published in like 1968. I don't know exactly what the, you know, how familiar people people were with the different, um, I don't want to say tribes, but uh, the different sections. Branches. Of, yes, of, of Islam. Um, in the 60s, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I can say when I started junior high, mm -hmm. when I started seventh grade, it was 1999. And that's when I met a friend of mine who's Muslim. Her name is Salma. Her parents were her family is from Pakistan. Yeah. She was one of my best friends that year. And honestly, this part of the country, that was the first time I'd ever met someone who's Muslim. And I was only vaguely aware of it. Like I I knew that a religion called Islam existed and people who followed it were Muslim. And that was really about all I knew before yeah. I met her. So the idea of a lot of people here in this you know late 60s it's mm -hmm. probably a lot of people who had no clue yeah because like we even studied like we didn't have like religion classes because obviously it was public school but we did have sections you know lessons in history class of you know religions of the world where they'd give us a basic idea yeah hey this religion exists here's its basic principles okay here's this other religion like moving on yeah, I, so, I I have I have enjoyed. So yeah, me in the late '90s had a very very yeah. very basic understanding of it. So right. I would imagine, and you know, '68 or whatever, mm -hmm. probably knew even less. Yeah, I will say that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about this book as we have gotten deeper into it. The the overall like the obvious influence uh, yeah. based on those cultures being thrown out there, and it seems to get get more in depth with it. Which seems um, fitting, considering this whole book takes place on a desert planet. Right. So, yeah, and it's and it's not like it's set off in a galaxy far, far away. It's well, I mean, it is, but it it is obviously set in the future, like ten thousand years down the line. Um, mm -hmm. And so, for them to you know to to actually use real world uh, cultures to to inform how how these characters behave or or what they're trying yeah. to do in the story i think is actually pretty impressive uh, he did his research he really did